1: Navigation system. Please say a command. On. Ignition. Power. Seatbelts. Fastened. Shift.
0: Drive. Twin Cities sports fans, hold on tight. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, this is the Ride with Roycey. The
1: Timberwolves uh, were... Early on in this collapse by the Cleveland Cavaliers, on uh, January 8th, they visited Target Center and the Timberwolves defeated them 127 to 99. And we all figured that was just kind of a little blip, didn't we, fellas? That yeah. this uh, was a two, three week thing. Very temporary. Two, three week thing the Cavaliers might be going through. Uh, well, then came Saturday night. Uh, as the collapse continued, they got beat 120 to 88, the Cavs, by Houston, nationally televised game. And then Tuesday at Orlando, we were bad-mouthing our fighting wolves when they managed to lose at Orlando a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Last night, they <laughs> led by 21 points in the first half at Orlando, the Cavs, and still managed to end up getting beat. Eighteen. Uh, yes, they are one and six in their past seven games. On their, uh, they, they, uh, they, they have just absolutely gone in the tank. Tyron Lou, their coach, got sick in the second quarter last night when they were playing good. Imagine how sick he would have been if he had to watch it. But uh, Manny, uh, you and I were talking earlier. <laughs> they're uh, they're going to see the best the cat This collection of Cavs have tonight. Yes, or. They're going to get off to a fast start. They might see the worst, huh? Yeah. The SD Cavs decide to pack it in.
2: Yeah, I mean that's I I'm I'm very very curious mm-hmm. as to what Cavs team we're going to see against the Wolves tonight because it it could be this could be like they basically tank it and Tyron Lu is not going to survive the season mm-hmm. even though you know, he was given, you know, the, that sort of, what do they call it? The kiss of death, so to speak, that he's, you know, he's not in any trouble, you know, from the front office and that sort of thing. But, um, this is also, I think, setting up for, I mean, cause it's the Wolves, right? Yes. And anytime, you know, the Wolves seem to be getting into a situation where they're going up against a team that's reeling and then they, they, especially when out, it's from the East. Yeah. Well, Hell, the game against Orlando that you talked about a few weeks yeah. ago, Orlando had lost yeah. like eight in a row or something like that going into that game. they would won so.
1: one game since December 10th or some damn thing. Don't yeah. we
2: though? I mean, I know that the the Cavs are
0: dealing with injuries and ineffective play from a guy that they were counting on in Thomas, but don't you kind of think they're going to figure it out at some point here? I'm not sure. They still have the best player on the planet. They're, they're, they're not going to yeah. beat the Warriors. I get that. They'll they're they're, they're, they're they're make, make the playoffs, playoffs
2: and be but, in the division, but uh, I'm not sure they can beat Boston or even Toronto. I mean, Toronto don't playing guard really well. anybody apparently. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 bad. Well, you now, know, they don't they don't have Kevin Love for a couple more weeks, and I mean, it's and then a control thing that is absolutely LeBron.
1: He was asked last night with the trade deadline tomorrow, would you waive your, to get out of here, would you waive your trade thing? And he said, nope, I'm in here for the long haul. <laughs> and then he kind of corrected himself and meant to the end of the season. Right. He, said, he's, you know, he, he basically, is so gone after but this But here's the other thing.
2: I don't know where he's he
1: going to go, gonna, He is not going to, he still hates Dan Gilbert. Oh, right? yeah. And he totally. is not going to give him any chance to bail out of this mess and trade him, you know, and get a lot in return. And get something for him. Yeah. There's, there's no way LeBron's going to give him the power, Dan Gilbert. And,
2: and according to worried. Stephen A. Smith yesterday, that it's that Dan Gilbert is just apparently is just ready for LeBron to be gone anyway. Which is,
1: but I don't know how you
2: can it. want that caliber of a player to just be gone. Well, he, altogether. But you're
1: an owner. You're a rich guy. It's like Robert Kraft. Uh, with whatever happened with Belichick, you don't like to not be the boss. You don't yeah. like to not have the power, right? Mm-hmm. You don't like to have somebody else calling all the shots. And since he got here, since he got back, LeBron has called all the shots, right? Yeah. Well, and To the you... point Gilbert is now what? The word was out a couple of weeks ago. He was. I don't think it's official, right? But there's stories out that he's going to sell the team. Or really, the I, sell the team, I, had, yeah. I had not heard that, but I got news for him. He should have sold him last year.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: because, well, uh, well he'll still if he decided to sell, plenty.
2: he'd still make a ton. He
1: had plenty, but he won't get as much as uh, he was going to get if there was any thought LeBron might stay.
2: And here you know? and here's my thing. And you guys know I'm a LeBron guy. I like LeBron. I defend him when other people are ripping him for unnecessary stuff with Jordan comparisons and all that ridiculous stuff. But he's got to wear some of this too. In terms of the way the roster is, the oh, way yeah. they're constructed, and you got guys that are not playing well at all, and they're making a lot of money, and they're locked into contracts beyond this year. I mean, J.R. Smith is just an afterthought, and he's still getting paid, and Tristan Thompson's been terrible, and he's making $17, 18000000 million a year. And LeBron, it was LeBron who pushed... For all of these guys to get these contracts, and they abided by it because they wanted to keep him happy, and uh-huh. now they're stuck in where they are. where They have no financial flexibility. That's where the does other he thing. Go I don't to know. Line
1: where, he doesn't want it. Everybody says the Lakers. That makes the
2: most sense. The, the only other Kawhi's and
1: everything. The but only other thing I could does think of. Does he want to wait three years to win?
2: The only other team I could think of is Houston, because yes. of the he's he, him and Chris Paul are like brothers, but. I, I just, they I mean, they, what, they would he, have to do some maneuvering with their money, too, to make that people, work.
1: Yes, but people out in the uh, outer reaches of nba dumb like us, we'd go crazy about putting another super team together in Houston. But the league would love it. Yeah. You'd have Houston and Golden State going at against each other in the mm-hmm. Western Conference, each with three of the greatest players in the league, with th- three of the... Eight best player They'd have six of the eight best players in the league <laughs> on the floor. Do you think
0: yeah. though that the LeBron ego and the LeBron legacy would want to go through leaving his hometown and a second time? Oh, I oh, I, oh yeah, no
2: he, he would. Yeah, he would do it in a heartbeat again. He's he, already he, won a championship there. The reason he came
1: home is they were mad at him. He can't stand to have people and, mad at him.
2: And you know what? He went back and he won a championship yeah. there. And oh, yeah, he's he's, he's got nothing. Him. He's got nothing else to. Give that city, I guess, and he—it's just going to be where he, he just wants just to go. Just wonder
1: how worn out he is, though. Man,
2: alive! He's played a lot of and basketball. Physically,
1: I mean, he's a monster, and that's a big body to lug around, man. He has played a lot of basketball yeah, in the last and, ten years, uh, and the, the emotional uh, weight he's had to carry. Of being the guy after every game, every you know, you're you're in the spotlight 365 days a year, and you're controversial and you're thin-skinned and sensitive. It's got to be tough.
0: But that's not going to change, regardless of what team he plays for.
1: No, No. but well, if he's in Houston, it won't be as bad. It won't be as bad as it is in Cleveland. But
0: he's still going to be the best player in the game. Yeah.
2: Right. but he's yeah. gonna at least in a place like Houston, he's gonna have like a Chris Paul who Don't is every bit as Arden, yeah. yeah. He's I and mean, Chris Paul is every bit as you know, sort of imposing as a personality as LeBron is. So. Yeah.
1: All righty, uh, we shall return. Uh, I'm gonna have a little conversation with Kevin Seifert on issues such as Josh McDaniels backing out as the uh, coach of the Indianapolis Colts. Talking purple right
0: now on The Ride with Royce. Kevin Seifert from ESPN. It's
1: Kevin Siebert. Here with Kevin Seifert. We have ESPN's Kevin Seifert. It's
0: ESPN.com's NFL Nation reporter, Kevin
1: Seifert. presented by Mystic Lake. Kevin uh, Seifert is with us. Kevin, the Josh McDaniels story is amazing. I, somebody, yep. I saw somebody tweeted out that this proves that the Patriots are a cult. <laughs> it's what uh, <laughs> uh, it, it I see his agent today has uh, said that he's uh, done with Josh McDaniels, although apparently they've broken up a couple other times and come yes. back
3: together. So. Yes, his agent is Bob Lamont, who is the leading NFL kingmaker, and if you want to be a head coach in the NFL, he's probably your – Top agent to hire. Um, he's uh, or a general manager. He's very good uh, at that. And uh, and his blessing or his uh, or his lack of a blessing is uh, is very noteworthy amongst many many decision makers. Um, you know, it's it's there have, there have been lots of rumors that Josh McDaniels was not a done deal, but we all kind of took it as the Patriots being so locked in on you know we're on to Cincinnati, we're on to the yeah, Super right. Bowl, we're not focused on anything else. Not. It wasn't that he was avoiding any kind of confirmation or or wink-nod in public uh, because he didn't want to take the job. It was that he was just focused on the Super Bowl, and that's all, and that's the way they do things. And then, in a way, that's what ended up happening in that, you know, they play the Super Bowl Sunday, they get back Monday. On Tuesday, he goes in to clear out his desk, and he gets pulled into Belichick's office or into Robert Kraft's office or wherever they had it. For what our guy Mike Reese, who recovers the Patriots, uh, said would just be a sort of a, assumed to be an exit meeting. You know, thank you very much. You know, we're for your contributions. Maybe we'll run into each other down the line. And it turned into this really aggressive recruiting process where they told him point blank how much they think of him, how much they think he's crucial to the operation of the franchise, and how they can't foresee you know going forward without him. And this was the first time he had heard any of this uh, or any real interest on the part of the franchise aggressively uh, keep him and uh, probably because they were just focused on the next week and it's in their minds we focus on the off season and the offseason so that's when the conversation ha- happened had it happened in december when this whole thing started uh, he probably wouldn't even have interviewed but in the end That's when they got to it, and that's when he received the assurance that he was critical to the operation of the Patriots, and that's when he decided to to back away.
1: And uh, Belichick, uh, Mike Reese, who does a great job recovering that team, uh, reported that uh, basically Belichick said, I'm going to show you how I do everything here. Uh, It sounds like you're going we're going to prepare you to take over the job is is basically what it sounds i'm going to show you how I manipulate a roster i'm going to show you this and that apparently and, and who apparently, apparently through the
3: years Belichick
1: didn't show his assistants how to do this huh?
3: and who and who didn't lie awake at night when they were a kid hoping that one day bill belichick would show them how he manages the salary cap but um that you know when you take that in a broader perspective it sounds like he's going to be put in a position to be sort of the assistant head coach Um, in addition to being the person who really does run the offense you know Belichick came up a defensive guy he obviously has brilliance on all sides of the ball but uh, people who are around the team say Josh McDaniels and Tom Brady basically run that offense come up with the schemes and and that Belichick if he concentrates on one side of the ball more than the other it's certainly defense and so uh, that's by all accounts, however, they gave him no assurances in writing yes, or even right. verbally that he's going to be the next coach. But um, I guess he feels like this is a still a better deal for him to keep uh, keep learning and working and keep burnishing the resume. Uh, as long as Tom Brady's around, he's probably going to have a pretty good offense, and it's not as if his football resume is going to deteriorate and he'll learn some more. And eventually, you know, even if people are mad at him now and aren't yeah. going to hire him now, I mean, if he there's never a sh- there's always a shortage of quarterback gurus that or teams or people that teams perceive to be quarterback gurus that they uh, that people want to hire to to help their team get better and so i can't imagine there being a, a scenario where Josh McDaniels keeps succeeding with Tom Brady and maybe the guy they draft to uh, to back up Tom Brady next year um, and there aren't some teams I mean, if Cleveland fires yeah. Jackson in the offseason off Are they going to not, you know, even look into Josh McDaniels Because, oh, he, he backed out of the Colts I mean, of course they would, I would assume uh, Want to evaluate all possible candidates
1: Yeah. Now, uh, the picture that was uh, tweeted out, uh, the photo of Kraft and uh, Belichick having dinner together in some restaurant, was that Monday night? I saw it. uh, I saw the photo of them uh, that was on Twitter of them. I hadn't seen that photo, but it probably would have to be. You're wondering if it was Monday night and they were plotting this out to take one last shot at uh, keeping McDaniels.
3: That's that's the likely. It wouldn't have been Sunday. It wouldn't be back in time. So Monday would be the the likely. If that was the case, that would have been the likely timing. And then, and then late. Uh, Tuesday afternoon is apparently when this meeting with McDaniel's happened. It didn't end until like seven or seven thirty.
1: Yeah, boy, that's uh, uh, Indianapolis. Of course, if they don't get Andrew Luck back, that isn't uh, too great a job right now. You don't know what his situation is, but it's uh, if those if those two teams are on each other's schedule next year, that'll be fun. They are.
3: They, they are. They play. They play in New England, though, so Josh McDaniel's won't have to face the fearsome Colts uh, <laughs> home home fans. So, what's your theory
1: on No? Holding penalties and all those dropbacks. Uh, was there actually no, no? Was there actually no holding that took place in that I entire? Mean, no obvious holding that took place in that entire game. I didn't. Well, I got to admit, where I was sitting, I couldn't tell, but I didn't yeah. see anything that looked too yeah. bad.
3: I mean, there was definitely like no. Like I didn't see any takedowns no. or any like you know guys grabbing you know, jerseys so hard that they ripped off or anything, but. You know we always talk about it uh how penalties kind of decrease in the playoffs and you can't really if penalties are going to decrease you can't do it through like false starts and uh yeah, you know, right. if somebody's false starts you got to call it if there's 12 men on the field you got to call it but if you want to quote unquote let them play or you want to just you know be uh, the opposite of an aggressive official uh holding uh pass interference those are the kind of judgment calls where it can happen um yeah, you know, it, it is very rare. I guess we should, you know, it'll we'll probably need like an off-season research project to find out, but you basically you go through almost the entire game with no sacks, but also uh you know, no no holding, offensive holding, and so that is it. usually doesn't necessarily work that way. We, those are two pretty good offensive lines, but still I think that probably at least, while there was nothing dramatic or drastic, I think that probably still points to the idea that whether it's written were unwritten. You know, officials aren't looking to throw the flags in the Super Bowl.
1: What, what the heck? Uh, total penalties were what? Five or six? Uh, yeah. They weren't holding, you know, New England known for their grabby uh, secondary. There was nobody close enough to a receiver to grab them, I guess. Right. It was no, unbelievable.
3: I, yeah, the Patriots, I mean, they, both teams, like, I think the Patriots came into the game with seven penalties in the playoffs, The pre, so that would have been two games, and, <laughs> and the Eagles had eight penalties. And so neither one of them at and, and then two games, So neither one of them had 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 penalties uh, many penalties called against them and i think the number was almost 40% you know, the, the in terms of in the in the regular season officials called them with 16 penalties a game and in the in the uh, playoffs leading to the super bowl it was at 9.5 so basically a 40% drop in penalties called per game uh, during the playoffs, so that that speaks to to what you're talking about as well.
1: And uh, uh, first, and of course, the uh, the catch rule. Uh, if if they interpret the catch rule that way, uh, the rest, yeah. of their, uh, rest of their rest of their careers, they'll be fine.
3: Yeah, and the weird thing is the second one, the the, the Zach Ertz touchdown that yes. ended up being the game winner. That was, I don't know what, what that was obvious. Like I don't know why it yeah, took he ran two minutes the the three minutes. Yeah, he caught the ball. He took eleven steps or whatever it was and then dove, you know, which players do to make sure the ball gets over. He got over. He had possession. It got over. It's a touchdown. And then he lost it only when he hit the ground and still got it back, you know, while he before he was touched. So it wasn't that – there was I don't know what they were looking for, but every second that went that went by made me nervous that oh my God, the Super Bowl is gonna be decided by some <laughs> crazy catcher bowl. The one that was more intricate and and, and probably confusing was that uh pass to to Corey Clements, the, the running back in the back of the end zone in the third quarter, uh, where he 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 had possession of the ball, then it moved. He had possession, he got two feet in bounds, but then it moved, and he was going to the ground, and he, by the time he gained possession again, he only got one foot in. So there was a very similar play like that in the regular season with Kelvin Benjamin, also of the Bills, also against the Patriots, mm-hmm. where there was – there was some control, and then lost, and then gained again. But when he was out of bounds, and they overturned it, and so I thought, if they'd stayed on that same standard, which I didn't agree with that standard, but if they stayed on that same standard, the Clements uh, touchdown would be overturned. But it was not. So, long story short, a suggestion that maybe they just got a little ahead of their skis on that one. With the Bills and Patriots in the in the regular season and kind of got themselves corrected, but all it's all going to be fixed. Uh, Roger Goodell said that, that yeah. this is going to be a major offseason push to get the catch rule fixed. I really question whether it's. Well, I think everybody will agree that it would be nice to get it fixed. I question whether there's an obvious answer to how to do it.
1: Uh, modern football is amazing, though the matchup uh, uh, situations. Corey Clement. Doesn't he? He must have been on the field for two plays in the Vikings game in yeah. the yeah. NFC title game, yeah. and now all of a sudden, he's on the play in the he's on the field in the first series, and they're you know he becomes an ace receiver, and it's 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 amazing how they find matchups, they find plays that they think they're going to work, and that this is the guy that can run that play better than yeah. anybody else. It's incredible.
3: The interesting is he is um, kind of this latest. Uh, example of this new wave of running backs. I don't know how new wave it is, but it's now getting a lot more publicity, the running backs who can catch. Yes. And, you know, whether it's a Matt Forte in Chicago or the, the Patriots have that James White. Um, you know, there's, there's a... you got Dion Lewis, another one. the guys who are almost as good as receivers as they are as uh, running backs, and that's what he is. Uh, I think he can run fine. He would not the type of guy you expect to come out of Wisconsin, as Frank Reich, uh, the offense coordinator, was saying. Usually, you want you you see uh, Badgers running back yeah. coming out as being the Ron Dane, you know, bulldozer types. But those are the those are the kind of running backs not only that are going to be drafted more often, um, you know, Jarek McKinnon being a local example, but are probably going to get paid more often in free agency because even if they have a little bit, they don't get as much wear and tear because they're not running it two hundred and fifty or three hundred times a season. Uh, And even if they do, they can still be very valuable in the the passing game. So those are the kind of running backs to keep an eye on when we talk about who is of value and who isn't. Because I think um, I think teams are more and more finding value and. In position flexible players like that.
1: Uh, Kevin, one last thing. I'm Malcolm Butler, uh, we will never hear the truth from Bill Belichick as to why he didn't play. And if Malcolm sticks to his story uh, and nobody has video of him smoking weed or something, I don't think we'll ever know the story of why he didn't play.
3: No, it'll, you know, maybe it'll be one of those where he when he, once he signs with another team and he's got a contract and he's been paid, he'll sit down with somebody and it'll all come out. But the Patriots have a funny way of just uh, maybe like a black hole just all that all the information gets sucked in it never gets sucked out and so I I don't expect necessarily to have a full picture of that and I don't know if there's a simple answer I don't know that, that Belichick just like pun- it was just as simple as punishing him for something or it was as simple as a game it would it would be surprising if it was as simple as him just thinking he didn't match up well against the other team, given how often he played during the season yes. so it there it's possible that there's like a whole bunch of things that happened and it created a perfect storm where where he didn't play and albert breer from the and then uh q b reported that not even Bob Kraft knew that he wasn't playing, and he was sitting up in an owner's box during the game saying, why isn't the guy playing? So, who knows? Um, and I don't know, as you say, if we'll ever know, but I doubt it's something very simple that could be explained in a straight line. Kevin, thank you, sir. We will
1: talk to you later. Okay, Patrick. All right, uh, Kevin Seifert, NFL Nation blog, ESPN. Uh, and we'll be back with a Johnny Height sports update, and this one is filled with information, I like all of them, but uh, particularly this one.
0: Here's Johnny Height with a sports update. This update
4: brought to you by Exergen Temporal Scanner Thermometer. Bad cold and flu season is upon us. The main difference between them is the flu brings a fever. Be prepared with the Exergen Temporal Scanner Thermometer backed by more than 70 clinical studies. Minnesota Wild got some bad news this afternoon. How bad? Defenseman Jonas Brodine had surgery to repair a broken left hand. Oh, no. He'll be out three to four weeks.
1: Our hand, the hands on prominent local athletes are uh, mm-hmm. are uh, hurting here. Santana, don't get cute with
4: that, Kenny. Yeah. The surgery. No, I was just gonna say he's a hockey player. He'll be back in three days. True. On, man. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> They'll
1: have him cut it off. he will be like <laughs> yeah. uh, Woody Harrelson. Yeah, I'm
2: all right. Put me in, <laughs> Coach. Right. He even he even goes back to when Kevin Love hurt his hand yeah, right. doing push-ups know. back there a few years yeah. ago. The
4: surgery was performed by Dr. Jeffrey Husband at Trio Orthopedic Center, and yes. It was successful. Brodine suffered the injury last night's win over St. Louis. Uh, today at practice, Bruce Boudreaux, the coach of the Wild, said, you've heard it all around sports, the sports world this year.
1: Next guy up. That's it. Mm-hmm. You know, I wonder if uh, Mrs. Husband gets sick of people saying, hey, what's your husband's name? And she says, husband. And husband's kind of like, who's on first? Right. right? The whole deal there. Wild opened a five-game homestand with a game He's against. second. Arizona. <laughs> no, no <laughs> more <laughs> What's <laughs> wrong with you?
4: The Wolves in action tonight. Uh, they are playing LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers in Cleveland. Uh, the Lynx today uh, made some moves. They traded power forward Natasha Howard to the Seattle Storm. Easy name to spell. Easy, easy name one. to spell, yeah. Natasha Howard. They'll get a 2018 second-round draft pick. Uh, they also re-signed forward Cecilia Zandalasini.
1: See, that's a hard name to spell.
4: Very Italian, isn't mm-hmm. it? That was my mother's
1: middle name, Cecilia. I can really? spell that. but uh,
4: Just hmm. call her Cece.
1: hmm the so, uh, sign and
4: trade deal with Seattle will net the Lynx the 17th overall pick in the 2018 draft. Plus, they have the right to exercise a swap of first round picks in 2019. The uh, Lynx also signed free agent forwards Lynetta Kaiser and Andy Miam. No, Wait, no easy names. So they can swap first round picks in 2019? That's what it points. said. Oh. They have the, it said uh, they have the right to exercise a swap. So I, suppose I, I was going to
0: gonna ask, how many rounds did they have? You said a second-round pick. I had no idea how deep the WNBA draft went. Mm, I have no idea. There's
2: only 12 teams. You know. yeah. I think they have three rounds. They have three? Okay. That'll be something to watch if Seattle has a bad year in, the, in 2019 and the Lynx can maybe swap picks with them, get a top-two pick or you something. You know, I was
1: looking up the Celtics dynasty in comparison to the Patriots dynasty. 19, I think it started in '56. Uh-huh. So nine in a row. Twelve, eight teams in the league. Really? Eight teams in the so league. So a bit game. different of a landscape yes. is what you're saying. And I'm saying it was a different landscape. Hmm.
4: Uh, that would have been coozy and Russell, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Hennepin County judges ruled in favor of a Twin Cities-based bank, saying former Viking Adrian Peterson has to pay the balance of a loan <laughs> on which he defaulted. Don't <laughs> you? Most of us do, don't we? Judge Laurie <laughs> Miller ruled that Peterson has to pay a total of six hundred nine thousand seven hundred eighty-six dollars to Crown Bank.
0: He'll also have to. Pay Starring a- on episode two of Broke Thirty for Thirty, <laughs> Adrian God, Peterson. He has
1: to sell his camel.
0: He is going to be. He is going to be broke in
4: five <laughs> oh years. Oh my gosh. Uh, Peterson also has to pay Crown Bank's attorneys' fees, which are almost twenty-nine grand. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bank filed suit against Peterson in October, saying he defaulted on a two-point-four million-dollar loan he took out in May of 2016. Uh, he had. Paid... Why did he have to take out a loan
0: when he was still making all that money?
4: What is wrong with him? Wow, that's too bad. He did pay the loan down to almost five hundred ninety-five thousand uh, dollars after entering into a forbearance agreement. Always spend somebody else's money. Mm-hmm.
0: Just
1: well, until they want it back, right?
0: Yeah. I had a buddy Kenny in college that would apply for every credit card that would come in the mail, and he'd say, "Those were the days." He's man. like Reavers, this is free money. I'm like, dummy, you got to pay that back someday. <laughs> no, 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 this is free money. He yeah, would say. Money. <laughs> yeah. Russell Wilson got traded today. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs>
4: to the Yankees. All right. By the Texas Rangers. Mm-hmm. Wilson, what'd they,
1: what'd they get for him?
4: Uh, you Cash know, considerations? I haven't seen that in any story, to be truthful. Uh, but uh, the, apparently he just always wanted to be a Yankee, and Texas and New York worked it out. Cashman uh, worked it out with John Daniels of the Rangers. That uh, damn
2: evil Empire Yankee team. They're always trying to get all the good players.
4: Uh, he actually uh, will go to training camp. Uh, he loves baseball, as we all know. He's played with the Rangers, and he'll go to training camp uh, for a brief time. I uh, just to. I just
1: discovered what I, I haven't heard from Jim Cott if uh, oh, no. he's going to uh join us uh-huh. again this year. Sure. Okay. I sent the text to Brad Lane. <laughs> <laughs> You did? I sent it to Brad. I, it, actually, I didn't send it to anybody, but it was sitting there for Brad Lane.
0: So, sure. Well, you know, I was, I was, you know, that, the two names don't even start with the same letter. H-I-G-K-L.
4: They're pretty close. K and L. Hey, uh, are, are you okay, Sid? <laughs> wow. I'm oh. only joking, Pat. I didn't mean that seriously. Don't don't get upset and sad. Oh.
1: Oh. <laughs> don't get sad. I'm worried about myself. There's no doubt about it. Well, can can Brad be on the show mm-hmm. then? Or... Hello? <laughs> <laughs> Thank God we got the football fun fest. They want to keep me
0: around. Hello? <laughs> <laughs> oh.
1: oh,
4: goodness. All right. Well,
0: is, did Brad confirm whether he's going to join us then or no? Take a hike, Jim.
1: All right. I got to
0: send kind of text.
1: I didn't uh, get to see much of last night's Gopher Nebraska game. Uh, they couldn't have played that bad, Nebraska. What's going on with Nebraska? By the way, they're scoring ninety points. They're, they're good. They try. They used to try to beat you fifty-four to forty-eight. Uh, yeah. Where did he get his players? Nebraska yeah, and Ohio... a bunch of guys bail on him too. Yeah. Right? Nebraska
0: like... and Ohio State are obviously the two most surprising teams of, of mm-hmm. conference play this year, but they can shoot. They're good. Nebraska came into the season, I think, even. Uh, Miles was on the hot seat, but... Oh, I was yeah, just going to say, was, Tim's he was seat was
2: pretty sizzling yeah.
1: going into this he's year. He's a really good guy. I'm glad to see it. Matt, guy can sweat, though, Ooh. man. Oh, yeah, he can. <laughs> he's always got <laughs> the pit he rings rocking bad before bad halftime. <laughs> but he's an amazing story. He started oh. at Mayville State. Yeah. You know, you talk about Doug Peterson. Okay, that's even better. He had an NFL background. He might have coached at a high school, but he's not a high school coach. right? You know? Tim Miles' Mayville State was where it all started for him, and he went up one rung at a time, and it's it's good to see him doing that, and I bet Nebraska people start have started filling that arena, because, you know, their basketball has stunk traditionally for They have a years. beautiful
0: facility, right? Yeah,
1: they do, but uh, I don't think it would take much to get them excited. Oh,
0: heavens no, no, not at all, but the The problem, Pat, and I—I've I, been saying this for weeks. And last night was, I think, their chance to win their last conference game. Because you look at the schedule, they ain't going to do it going forward. Their problem is, they're—they can score. They can't stop anybody. They—they yeah. they play no defense. But if
1: you get McBrayer, you know, I—you know—I'm not been the number one defender of Patino, obviously. But if you get McBrayer out of the lineup, and Coffee out of the lineup, and Reggie Lynch out of the lineup. You got guys playing 30 minutes that don't belong, you know, Michael, True. you know, the hurt kid, God love him. And their depth is, a, is a, should be at uh, MSU Mankato.
0: Their depth was a concern yes. even before Lynch got suspended and before Amir Coffee got hurt. I get all that, but but why, you would why, still why, think why, that somebody why, would stand in front of a, a, another player from the other team and stop somebody you once know, in a It while. was a
1: disaster in in retrospect. They panicked. Four years ago, the first year that they were in charge, not the first year they replaced Tubby, not that recruiting group, but the next year, they set up the deal where they got Conate, Conate and Jeju. And, Jeju, yeah. and all, they went over and took the trip to Europe and used the, the group. Mm-hmm. You know, they had them arrange the group, arrange the travel that also was connected to these two players that, you know, I think it was SI did a great story on all these this connection and the NCAA didn't even bother to follow up on it but, you know so there nothing, there was no off sh- offshoot of this but the punishment for the Gophers for that recruiting trick was they end up with two guys who can't play.
0: Yeah, and that's that's and my criticism. They, and, of- and
1: those guys, are they want to They're apparently kids who want to get a scholarship, get an education. Mm -hmm. So they've stuck around. They haven't been able to run them off.
0: And that was the biggest. Remember, in Tubby's final couple of years, the biggest critique of him was that the players never got better under him. And these two guys are classic examples. They look completely lost on the court. And they're seniors. I think they devoted a lot of time to Canate that they might have
1: been better off to vote into the other guy the other guy's egg has more basketball ability i think but neither of them are but the fact that they've stayed and you haven't been able to you know you could have went out and maybe got a couple of transfers or a couple of juco's or something yeah but these two guys Guys that would actually contribute they they can't play no and they give you nothing no it's uh I mean that's 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 all you're gonna get from Nate Mason and uh, Murphy, right? Oh, that's, that's, yeah, mean, that's absolutely. That's pretty damn good. Meanwhile, Gopher uh, the football recruiting wrapped up today. The Gophers didn't sign anybody. I think they have a scholarship left. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, I thought they could sign one more, but uh, maybe they're holding out for a transfer or something. You know, some graduate transfer or something. They are two two forty seven sports, which. Basically, takes all the recruiting sites and puts them together, and uh, has their rankings. They have the Gophers 35th nationally, uh, uh, one of their highest rankings ever. I think Coach Brew was 18 or 19 in his second year, and then that. But that was <laughs> know that, that was out. the signing class yeah. about. Six of those guys never got here, right? Oh, right? I mean, a lot of them, and they couldn't play. And the big get was, was Marquise, was, right? Marquise yeah. Gray was and the big get. there was yet. no balance in that recruiting class either. They had, like, a bunch of spread formation guys and not many linemen and anything. So this is a, a good recruiting class. 35th uh, nationally. Higher than that in ESPN, but 35th nationally. And uh, that's, that's a good recruiting class. And 7th uh, in the Big Ten. Uh, and second in the western uh, in the in the west division behind Nebraska. Now, what's hard to decipher is the Gophers had a full twenty six, and some of these other teams are only getting 18, 19, and twenty because obviously they have more seniors, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm not exactly sure how they rate those, but it was uh, indeed a, a pretty good recruiting class. And he signed uh, he signed I think eight walk ons today too. So you know what we learned. Wow. To grow, you must fail. Yes, we did, and we we should be about twelve foot six right now after last year. <laughs> All right, we'll be back.
4: Quiet, please. We'll be on the air. And now,
0: this day in history, Patrick,
1: February seventh, nineteen sixty four. Pan Am Yankee Clipper Flight 101 from London Heathrow landed at Kennedy Airport in New York, and Beatlemania had arrived for the first time in the United States. This was only six days after I Want to Hold Your Hand gave the Beatles their first number one hit. At At Kennedy, the Fab Four dressed in mod suits and sporting their trademark pudding bowl haircuts (laughs) were greeted by 3,000 screaming fans who caused a near riot when the boys stepped off their plane and onto American soil. Two days later, McCartney, Ringo, George Harrison, and John Lennon, ages 21, 23, 23, and 20, made their first appearance on the Ed Sullivan Show. And some of the greatest TV I've ever watched as an old guy. Oh, yeah. Was the 50 year anniversary of the Ed Sullivan show. That was spectacular. When they, uh, in 2014, yes. when they, uh, you know, they, Ringo was there and McCartney was mm-hmm. there, of course, but the, uh, they had, uh, Alicia
0: Keys and John Le- John, John Legend, Legends that was the best Do performance, be. yes. Oh, that Adam was great. Adam Levine
1: did a great job of mm-hmm. singing Ticket to Ride, and uh, uh, they had that little
0: wimp Ed Sheeran up there, I didn't think
1: much <laughs> of that. I'm uh, not a big fan of him. That was,
0: so, and was you know, you, you look at how I TV am. is rated now, Yeah. how Giant of a number that they got on CBS that night too, oh, given yeah. given the way that we you know everything's online, everything's on demand. I think oh. they got a hundred. It was specta- It was so well done. They that's really did a good job with it. Alby's <laughs> right. He's absolutely yeah, right. right. <laughs> the group made
1: their first public concert appearance on February 11th at the Coliseum in Washington D.C. and twenty thousand fans attended. And nobody ever heard a thing at one of their concerts no, in the U.S. Except for if screaming. All they heard
2: was screaming <laughs> yeah.
1: from 14 to 22-year-old women. It was, a, it was a phenomenon you guys will never experience.